Welcome to the Calvary St. George's Sermon Podcast, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ and Him crucified. These podcasts are recorded and produced by the parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. For more information about our ministries, head to calvarystgeorges.org. Well, indeed, Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all all of our hearts um, and your very presence here uh, enable us to truly lift up our hearts, especially those areas we think that we're hiding from you. And uh, God, that you would come in. We may think that we let you in there, but that you've come in. And uh, that we may, like that crowd in that synagogue, rejoice at the mighty works that you've done in saving us and redeeming us. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Uh, You may be seated. And it's uh, great to be with you all here today. There's uh, so much to say on these two readings, um, but I want to focus in on our gospel reading, and if you will, open up there. But our gospel reading opens with Jesus teaching in the synagogue and uh, on the Sabbath day. Now, what's unique about that? Well, that is the day of rest. Uh, And on the Sabbath day, you were to do, uh, essentially, the idea is nothing. You know, it's interesting, yesterday, uh, my wife and I uh, were going out to a block party out in Brooklyn, and we drove, it was out in Crown Heights, and we were driving through uh, parts of Williamsburg and parts of Crown Heights on our way out there, and through the the Hasidic neighborhoods. And uh, yesterday was their Sabbath, and everything was locked down. You do nothing. And on this day, Jesus is teaching in the synagogue, and all of a sudden, this woman comes into the service, and it says that she has been bent over for 18 years. In regards to the condition of this woman uh, in our reading, it would be really easy, and there's probably a lot of people today simply writing this off as like a calcium deficiency or some sort of scoliosis. Uh, But remember Luke. St. Luke was a physician, He was a doctor, and he won't let us do that today. And so he tells us that she is crippled by a spirit. This is a spiritual condition that's being articulated here. This isn't just simply physical. What Luke wants us to know is that this woman is actually a woman who's got a lot of burdens. She's burdened. She's been weighed down by the circumstances of her life. And, you know, uh, sin and uh, death and the devil has brought her down. This woman is a reflection of humanity, you and I, as it actually is, not as we'd hope it would be. And the truth is, is that we're all, and I'm talking about myself here as well, we're all burdened by something. Maybe for you, it's the burden that comes from a childhood wound and you haven't quite addressed it yet, and so therefore you cope with all sorts of weird ways now as an adult. Maybe for you, uh, that burden is a relationship. Maybe for you, it's like a sick child. Or maybe for you, it's it's a relationship, like a marriage that's difficult. Or maybe for you, it's an addiction. Even as Christians, it's so easy for us to say, yeah, 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 the gospel, Uh, but definitely not there. That part it can't touch. Yeah, yeah, the gospel. Can't speak to that corner of my life. That burden's too heavy. What's burdening you? And this is my first point, really. Uh, the woman in our reading today, she's a real human being, just like you and I. She's reflective of all of us. 
And we all have areas in our lives that are completely untouched by the good news of the gospel. We all have areas of our life that we try and block God's grace from. Things that have us burdened and hunched over. If that's you, well, you've come to the right place. But this is what makes our reading so amazing, you know? Is that so often we're told, well, you've got to fix it. Uh, you know, you better take that to Jesus, you know? But what happens? This is what makes our reading so amazing, is that Jesus stops, and he calls out to her. Jesus takes the initiative. He's the protagonist in this relationship. And Jesus goes over to her and says, Woman, you are freed from your infirmity. And he lays his hands upon her, and immediately she is healed. And she's made straight. And she praises God for this. The gospel got in there and touched an area of her life that was blocked. And what I want to say to you this morning is that Jesus is also coming to you. He's coming directly to you. Those places where you're hunched over by burdens and worries. Jesus is coming to you and has come to you. And what's amazing, it's an amazing story. But what's interesting about it, there's just one problem here. And that is, not everyone likes healing. Not everyone likes healing. The healing comes into direct conflict with the Pharisees and their kind of do-it-yourself, every-person kind of religion. Because it takes place on the Sabbath. Now, on one level, the Pharisee is right. The law says you shall keep the Sabbath day holy. However, by pointing out his correctness here, you see, I mean, he's missing the miracle. He's demonstrating that he's the one who's actually burdened in on himself. Have you ever noticed that kind of in your own life? Maybe you're, uh, you're, you're in recovery or maybe you're like trying to get your health back in order and everybody's like, come on, really? Do you got to do that? Just this one time? You know, it's no big deal. Or they're like, who are you? Maybe you're truly free. Maybe you've heard the gospel and you're truly free and people are like, are you crazy? Can't get away with that. So he demonstrates his own blindness by pointing out that he's right. He demonstrates that his love for piety and religion over and above his love for his neighbor. And actually, he demonstrates his love for piety over and above the God whom he was supposedly worshiping. In pointing out his correctness, he reveals his blindness and ultimately his own self-focused nature. And what does Jesus do? Well, he comes to him as well. And he calls him out. Jesus reveals his crookedness in the question, you hypocrite, which in the Greek means, oh, you of such low judgment, you who's not seen clearly, you hypocrites, 
And he follows up with another question. He says, does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to give it water? Well, of course they did. That's why they don't answer. Of course they did. This was actually the one permissible task on the Sabbath. This is why all over parts of Manhattan and Brooklyn and parts of Long Island, there are strings up over the city so that you can do certain things in those areas on the Sabbath. And so Jesus hits back. He says, ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, and what he's talking about here is not ethnicity, but a person justified by faith alone. She's put her trust in Jesus in this moment to heal this wound Ought not this woman, this daughter of Abraham, whom Satan, once again, the spiritual issue here, has bound for 18 long years, be set free from this bondage on the Sabbath day? Well, of course she should. Of course. But notice they did not answer. Instead, and this is the thing, if you want to live by the law, it will always simply reveal shame, not correction. Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? This is the question. Is it lawful for you to do this, or do that, or not do this, or not do that? Well, if you're focused on the gospel, or if you're focused, excuse me, on yourself, because of your own piety. Remember the gospel isn't you're okay, I'm okay. That's not what the gospel is. The gospel is you are forgiven by the shed blood of Jesus. That's the gospel. But if you're focused on yourself and your own do-it-yourself religion, your own piety, well, you like the Pharisee, you can't answer these questions. It's actually paralyzing. And this is where life under the law leaves us so often. It leaves us cornered. It leaves us burdened. It leaves us focused on ourselves, spiritually crippled in the, is this right or is this wrong? Yes, it is lawful to heal on the Sabbath. And why is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? For Jesus is the healing, and Jesus is the epitome of the Sabbath rest for this curved-in woman, and Jesus is the same for the curved-in you and me. Jesus is our rest from our burdens. He's our rest from our sins. And praise God, he is rest from even our death. Jesus is the rest that only God in flesh can give. And this has massive implications for all of us, for our worship and how we live our lives together as a grace-focused, gospel-centric church here in this city filled with, as I call us, radical forgivenitarians. And I want to touch on this, especially because as we move towards kickoff Sunday, we're about a month out from kickoff Sunday. And I want to touch on this and what it means for us as a community in this city and in the world. You see, most people think that Christianity is either about, hey, you're okay or I'm okay, and I'm okay. Or, even worse, it's all about like straightening up 
you know, and, and white knuckling it. Follow the rules. Be morally perfect. Be socially conscious. You know, be, be biodiverse. It's all wonderful. But as we've seen over the last decade, American Christianity on both the left and the right, when it is defined not by the gospel, but by other agendas, becomes completely irrelevant. Even though what they're saying may be true, it's completely irrelevant to most people in their daily lives. I'll give you an example. There was one time I was running. I was running down Houston. And it was like five in the morning, and we're running on this uh, sidewalk uh, uh, just uh, between um, uh, Broadway and then, you know, where um, you begin to hit those uh, kind of, um, I forget the road off the top of my head, but we're running down there past those NYU dorms on Houston, and it's 5 a.m., and there's a sprinkler going on, and it's blowing into the sidewalk. And so the way the shadow kind of works, I don't see that the sidewalk, there's a bit of a lip there. And so I was running, and I hit that lip, and I trip and I eat it hardcore. I mean, I fell on my side and I skinned my hand and I hit my knee and I was knocked the wind out of me. One of those where you're like, Ugh! you know, and like kind of making a grunt afterwards. Have you ever been there? So anyway, and I'm there on the ground and uh, my running partner looks at me and says, dang, those New York street sidewalks, they ought to fix those. Correct. But what in that moment, that's irrelevant to me. It's correct, but it's irrelevant. What I need is a hand, and I need help up, and I need you to understand that I'm hurting right now and maybe run and get a Band-Aid. You know, that's relevance, and this is the gospel. Everybody's hurting. There's a corner in their life that hasn't been touched, and they need to know that God knows that, and he's covered it in his blood, and yes, he's forgiven that too. That's the relevance of the church. We're not a burden of, we're not an instrument of burdens and anxieties and fears. But the church, where the gospel is central, what it begins to understand is that just like that woman, Jesus comes to you. Grace and mercy come to you. And burdens and shames are removed by God's abiding love coming to you. Found in the gospel alone. And over time, not by the wagging of a finger or the ignoring it, but by the power of the Holy Spirit, what begins to happen in a person's life is that they begin to understand that while, like St. Paul, you may still realize and feel like you're the chief of sinners, you have been, you are, and you will be made upright. God is lifting you up, and he's fixating your eyes not on yourself, but on his crucified Son, For where the gospel is preached, sins are forgiven and the dead are raised. And when the gospel is preached, we understand that when we come to church here, this isn't a dull moment. This is what the author of Hebrews is getting at. You see, the people that had been coming from temple worship, where there was blood, there was smoke, there was sound, there were smells... And all of a sudden, they're gathering in for a little word and a little bread and wine. That's it? This is it? And the author of Hebrews is like, listen, you have a mediator now with the Father and an advocate with the Father. You have now something that is unshaken. 
And you've now, you and I, like those first Christians, have come to no dull moment. But rather, as the author of the Hebrews declares, we come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, a heavenly Jerusalem where Janet will lead us and will join our voices with angels and archangels and all the company of heaven to a festal assembly and the gathering of the firstborn, that's legal language. And you and I are part of that firstborn enrolled in heaven where we've received an inheritance, God's righteousness given to you. And that we come, and because of that righteousness inherited and given to you, you can now come, not because, hey, I'm okay, you're okay, or I've finally done it in my own piety, but you can come to the God and the judge of all because you're covered in the righteousness of another. And you can come and join the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks of a better word than that of Abel, which is revenge. Instead, we come to a better word sprinkled with the blood of Jesus, and we say, Alleluia, Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. So this is my third point, and I hope you understand how important this is. This is spiritual stuff. This is the real deal. This is the good news to share with our neighbor. Most people who basically think they're okay are in a brunch line already. This isn't about people who are basically okay. When you speak to your friend, when you speak to your neighbor, don't just wait for your turn to talk. Listen for the burden in their lives. And know that you know where ultimately healing is found. That this isn't about being a good person club, but this is about people with real problems who've come and are trusting that God will heal us and has healed us. You see, when we believe this here, God still meets and saves people bearing burdens. And by his grace, he makes us upright. Maybe not in ways that you can see and touch, But by grace, through faith, God always meets us in the gathering of the faithful to hear the gospel and to receive the body and the blood and bread and wine. And so, so we come. We come burdened, but now made light. We come, and we come to behold everlasting life. All of it in the crucified and risen Lord Jesus Christ, given to you. And like those people in that synagogue, we're going to sing. We're going to sing with joy the mighty deeds that Jesus has done and accomplished for us. In his name, amen. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast produced and recorded at the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. If you feel led to support the continuing ministry of our parish, we would really appreciate it. You can make a one-time or recurring gift by going to calvarystgeorges.org give. Thank you for your support.